call to Shiloh. Is there anyone that, that came just to watch a, a little one sing? Anyone? You know, that's, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Isn't that a joy and a delight to, to see these little ones? Praise the Lord. Um, it's just, it's so cool now as a grandfather to see my, my grandkids. This is their first year singing. And it just, it warms your heart. Um, but if you've been with us at all through, through the past month, we've been in a series called Fulfilled. And in that series, we've been talking about how Jesus came not only to, to be our Savior, but that it was prophesied hundreds of years ahead of time and, and some of those prophecies that were fulfilled in, with his coming. So we started that in the beginning, God determined that he was going to send Jesus, and it was for a purpose, right? And just like God has a purpose for each of our lives, God sent Jesus with a purpose in mind. And then we looked that there was a messenger uh, that was sent before Jesus. It was John the Baptist. And, and all of us have messengers that, that either have come to us and told us about the good news or where to be a messenger for others to, to tell them about the good news. And then we talked last week how John the Baptist was, was filled with the spirit and power of Elijah and how Jesus was filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and how God comes and he wants to fill us as well with his power that we would live a life worthy of the calling that he's given to us. So in the, today, the title of my message is uh, The Son of the Most High God. And the question we're going to be asking this morning is, okay, do we recognize who Jesus is? as he came in the manger. And when we recognize him, then what is our response to him? So to start off, I'd like to read from Luke 1, where an angel speaks to a young girl named Mary, and I'd like us to experience it. So we're going to be reading and experiencing from Luke 1, 26 to 38. And it says this in, in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord God is with you. And Mary, Mary, don't be afraid. Precede. You have found favor with God. And you will give birth to a son. And you will call his name Jesus. He will be very great. And he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God has given him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. And his kingdom will have no end. But how can this be since I'm a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come and overpower you. The Son of the Most High will overshadow you. And the baby will be born holy. And he will be called Son of God. And Mary, there's more. Your relative Elizabeth, she's also conceived in her old age. People once said she'd be barren and never have children. But now she's pregnant and she's already in her sixth month. Mary, the word of the Lord never fails. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said to me come true. Amen. Amen. All right, I know that was powerful, but can we just give it up for Kevin and Elizabeth? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I know I was uh, stretching them with, with that request. But, you know, it, it's amazing when, the, when the God speaks to us, or, or maybe you can remember a time in your life where, where something great happened, and it's like it, it just is a blur. I, I wonder 
when, when Mary was done listening to the angel, like, how much did she really remember? <laughs> you know, like, oh my gosh, you said, did he say I was supposed to call his name Jesus? And, and he was going to be this and that. Like, I, I don't know if I would have remembered everything. I think I just would have been in shock and awe. And I'm like, what did he just say? God, would you show me again? Would you write it down for me? Like, did I really hear? Maybe I got it wrong. But in the same way, I'd like to just look at this verse, these two verses, uh, out of what, what we just experienced to make sure we don't miss a message that the angel did tell Mary. He said, you'll conceive and give birth to a son. And you're going to call his name Jesus. And he'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. See, everybody knew who David was. But no one knew who this Jesus was except that it was foretold that there was going to be a Messiah. So I'm sure Mary's going, wait a minute, my child is going to be on the throne of his ancestor David? And then the angel goes, his, he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Like that's just, it's mind-blowing to think, oh my gosh, his kingdom is never going to end. And I love Mary's response because she said, I'm sure in an overwhelmed state, this is her reply, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. You know, and I think... All of us can learn something from Mary. What a woman of faith in that moment to have heard these things. Like personally, it's a hardship for her. She's pregnant. She's a virgin. How is this going to be perceived? What are people going to think? What, like all these questions and all these doubts could fill her mind. But for a moment, she pushes them all away and says, God, if you're the one telling me this, like let it be. Let it happen. I'm ready. You know, and, and if you've ever, um, you know, seen different things on TV, like how many of you ever watched an infomercial, right? Um, I'm, I'm a, I love infomercials. Like if, if, you, if you need a solution to something, I think you can find great ideas like Flex Seal. It's, it's an amazing product if you haven't tried it. Alien tape, like, you know, these things. But just as I'm getting wrapped in and I'm hooked, they tell you, wait a minute, there's more. And then the deal gets even better if you call today, you know, and, and hey, I've tried, I've, I've waited and called later and the deal isn't there anymore. So I'm just telling you, you got to call right then. But, but see, Mary, Mary heard this word from the Lord, but that's not the, that's not the whole story. See, the story gets even better than that because 600 years before Isaiah prophesied that this was going to happen. That just is mind blowing to me. And, and I was trying to think, what would it look like when, when Isaiah prophesied, right? How would this word come to him? And, you know, just thinking about Isaiah's prophesy, it, about his prophecy, Isaiah was a priest in the temple, and he was a priest through a very dark time in Israel's uh, history. It says in Isaiah 9 that people walked in darkness. It was a time of darkness and despair. You know, and I think about this Christmas and how, how is the world walking today, like, we're in the middle of this pandemic that last year we thought, okay, this is going to be our only Christmas once and done, right? It's still raging, and it's not just here. It's worldwide, right? We see crazy acts of weather happening. The people in Kentucky that are now homeless because of weather, right? We see people in Afghanistan, humanitarian crisis that's happening there. It's a dark world, but you know what? This isn't the first time the world has been dark. It was dark back for Isaiah as well. And then Isaiah hears this word from the Lord. And, 
you know, I was wondering, what would it be like to hear this word? And, and I'd like to just show a quick video to put us in the place of, of what Isaiah might have felt as he heard this word from the Lord. So, this is what you want me to tell them. The people, your people who have lived in dark exile all these many years with their their backs up against some Babylonian wall. It was one thing when you had me tell the king that a, a virgin would give birth. Go back to sleep, my dear. I'm talking to God. Is he listening? Uh, What do you mean, is he listening? Are you listening to him? You see what I mean, Lord? Even my own wife questions me. Now, you are God Almighty. You do what you want to do. But you want me to tell the people that Messiah is going to be just uh, some plain fellow like one of us? That he's going to suffer? He's going to die? Why not Moses to lead us out of exile? Or uh, or King David, the mighty warrior, not some tiny little... Uh, where is the oil for the lamp? It's where it always is. Uh, ah! This is what I'm talking about, Lord. We are a people in darkness, stumbling around, stubbing our toe on the sin of the world. Uh, we need... A mighty rescuer. We need, uh, we need a savior, not some tiny little. Ah, such a tiny flame, and the whole room is filled with light. I am a man of unclean lips. Forgive me, Lord. I will tell them what you have shown me, even if I don't understand it. I will trust you, good Lord, in your own good time to to bring us uh, Emmanuel to bring us light and hope. Light and hope. I'm coming back to bed. didn't understand 
what the angel was telling her. Isaiah really didn't understand. It it didn't make sense to him. Like, God, do you want me to tell the people what? How can this be? And I'm sure there's people here today where God may be speaking to you and you're like, "I I don't understand. It isn't always that we need to understand what God is doing. The real question is, will we accept what he's doing? Will we recognize him for who he is? That God, you, you're much, so much higher than I am. You're so much greater than I am. Lord, who am I to try to understand? How does the finite understand the infinite? It can't. And, and that's where Isaiah was coming from when he realized, God, you're, you're gonna tell, I need to tell the people that the Messiah is going to come as a baby? Like, why can't you just do something more grandiose? You know, maybe, maybe David or, or, or Moses. People would understand that. But no, we need a savior. We need a rescuer. How can it be a baby? And then God reveals it to him. He sees it in the lamp. He sees that a, one little tiny flame can light up the whole room. And I think as, as we look at the words of Isaiah, what, what he wrote to, to us 600 years ago, I'm just going to read one verse from Isaiah 9, but I encourage you, go back and look at the whole chapter of Isaiah 9. It starts off with what a dark place it was at that time and, and what the pain that the people of Israel were going through. Just like maybe today is a dark time and there's pain that we have. But, but now this is what Isaiah 9, 6 said 600 years ago. And it still says today to us about who Jesus is. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given. You know, and as I was thinking about that this week and meditating on it, I was thinking I've got six grandkids right now. And, and my daughter, Emily, is pregnant with, with her fourth, and my daughter-in-law, Miranda, is pregnant with her fourth. So in one year, I'm going to go from six grandkids to eight grandkids. But when their children are born, I'm not going to say, hey, unto us, a child has been born, right? I'm going to say, Emily had a baby, or Miranda had a baby. What's the us? <laughs> like, how do I say us? It's their baby. It's not my baby. But Isaiah uses this language, for a child is born to us, because who is Jesus? It's God's child that he's, he's giving to all of us to restore a relationship that God wants to have with all of us. So it's not just, it's not, okay, this is God's child. This is a child given to us. So a child will be born to us underscores the Messiah's humanity. He's coming to earth as a human. Hebrews tells us this, that he had to come as a human being in the form of a child so he could endure the temptations men face and yet be without sin. See, that was God's design, that Jesus would come as a baby, innocent and pure, but he would live a sinless life, that he could take on the sin of the world because he had no sin. A son will be given to us, implores the, the Savior's deity, that he existed before his birth as the second person of the Trinity. This is what Philippians tells us. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He came as the Son of God, God in human flesh, to conquer sin and death forever. So then Isaiah 9, 6 goes on, and it says this. The government will rest on his shoulders. What, is that, what does that really mean, the government's going to rest on his shoulders? It's affirming his lordship, and his lordship was in the triumph of the cross, that he died in our place, he took the penalty of our sin upon him, and he was buried and rose from the dead to victory over sin and death. 
So he made a way for us to be forgiven from our sin that we might have eternal life and, and might have a relationship with him as we accept him as our savior and acknowledge him as our king. Now we recognize that the kingdom of Jesus isn't something we can see and feel today, right? The kingdom of Jesus exists. It's just not tangible to us. But yet when it says his government will rest on his shoulders, there is a day at the end of the age, so says Revelations, where Jesus is going to come back in the clouds. And it says in that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess his lordship. We'll recognize his kingdom on that day because then it will be literal. But right now we have a chance. Would we recognize him as king today? See, in in the day that Jesus comes back, it's too late to recognize him as king. Every knee will bow, but it's too late to start a relationship with him. It's at the end of the age. The question is, where are we today? Would we bow our knee today to recognize his kingdom that we can't see? He was the son of the most high God. But did they recognize him? Do we recognize him? And if we do, what's our response to him? Isaiah 9, 6 continues and it says, And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Wonderful Counselor. You know what? I think of a counselor as someone that comes and brings wisdom in the midst of my confusion. And that's who Jesus is, that, that he brings something. When I'm confused, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm distraught, he's my wonderful counselor. I can reach out to him and say, God, I don't understand, but I know you do. As my mighty God, he's the one who, br- who brought creation and brought order to this world. Right? There's times in my life where I'm troubled. I don't see order. I see chaos. But he's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And he comes as my mighty God to bring order and a sense of, of, of calm and stability to my life. The phrase everlasting father, it literally means this. He's the father of eternity. Right? The father of eternity. So in comparison to human governments... Jesus' government and his kingdom is very simple. There's only one, and he's the king. He doesn't have a big bureaucracy. There's not like lieutenants and, and this. It's just Jesus. That's it. Very, very simple. But he comes as the mighty God to rule, as the everlasting father. And then lastly, the prince of peace. There's no conflict in Jesus. He's our peace, and he brings peace to all who walk with him. You know, the the best thing that's ever happened to me is the day that I gave my life to Jesus because I received not only him as my savior, I entered a relationship and that relationship is what gives me stability and peace in my life. Not that everything's peaceful around me. Don't, Don't get me wrong. My car just broke down the other day, had to get it towed. Like I've got things that happen in my life just like we all have things that happen in our lives. But God comes to be the prince of peace that even in the midst of it, we can turn to him, we can trust him. So as we look at this message of fulfilled, Jesus was born to fulfill God's word. He was born the son of the most high. And as he comes to us as the son of the most high, I love the picture that, we, that I showed a few slides ago where it showed the three crosses. Do you remember that picture on Golgotha? Right? It was Jesus in the middle. And who, was, who were the two crosses that represented the other two? It was two thieves or two people that were part of the rebellion, right? That were, were owning up and, and were paying the price for their sin, just like you and I have a, a price to pay for our sin. But the question isn't, were they sinners or not? And the question isn't if we're sinners or not. The question is, how did they respond that day to being crucified right next to Jesus? 
because I think our responses can take two, two different types. So one of the criminals said this, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. You know, and I think some of us look at this babe in the manger and say, how can that be the savior of the world? I just don't get it. Like, Jesus, if you're the Messiah, then prove it. And, and we're skeptical and, and we're, not, we're not believing. But then the other criminal protested and he said, don't, he said to the first one, the first criminal, don't you fear God that even when you've been sentenced to die, you don't, we don't deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And he looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into, my, when you come into your kingdom. So which one are we going to be today? What's our response to the babe in the manger? Are we going to say, God, if you're really God, then prove it? He did. He proved it. Maybe we don't see it, but he did. There's nothing more he needs to do. He sent his son to, to, to be born, to live an innocent life, to die a cross, to rise from the dead. But the second thief, not knowing any of that, just knew who Jesus was and said, Jesus, remember me. And that's my question to all of us today. Will we recognize the baby as our king? Will we recognize this, this babe that came in the manger as the savior of the world? And will we bow our knee to that savior? Will we, you know, to recognize someone as king, I've not been in the presence of a king, but I, I'm sure that you know, over in England, when there's the king, like people will kneel just out of respect, out of reverence. And that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back as king. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. So maybe you've been a part of a lot of different Christmas services. You've heard the message of Jesus coming as a babe in the manger. I'm not asking if you've heard the message. I'm asking what's your response been to it? Because if you're here today and you've never taken the time to pray a prayer to the Lord and say, Jesus, I want to receive you as my king today. I want to have a relationship with you that, that there would be no way for me, a sinful person, to ever have a relationship with a holy God except for your blood, Lord Jesus. Right? If, if we've never said that prayer, we've never entered into the greatest thing that God would have for all of us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, that, that we would have a time of remembrance and a time of celebration. So could I just ask that let's close our eyes for a minute and I'm going to say a prayer if you've never prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart and to recognize him as king, would you just pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart? Lord Jesus, I recognize you as the babe in the manger and as the savior of the world. Lord, I invite you into my heart to forgive me, to cleanse me, to rescue me. God, I ask you to become my Lord and my savior today. Lord, help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer perhaps for the first time today, or, or even if you've prayed it online, I have a book I want to give you. It's called Living in Christ. All I'm asking is that you come to me after service. I'll be right down here, and I want to hand it to you because I, I want to say thank you for coming to get the book. And if you're online, would you please email me, greg at shilohcommunity.church. I'd love to send you this book. But you see, what we've done today by saying a prayer We've invited Jesus to be king of our hearts. But it just, that's the start of a relationship. It, it goes from there. We, we need to learn how to live in Christ. And that's why I want to give you this book. So today as we close our service, you know, one of the other responses as we mentioned in Advent is when we recognize Jesus is our king, we've, we bow down and we worship him. 
And I just thought it would be fitting. Let's close with a time of worship. Could we do that? Could we all stand now? And Father God, as we come to you, we want to recognize you as our King. We want to recognize you as our Lord and our Savior. Holy Spirit, fill us today.
Lord, we thank you, God. You are the great Redeemer. You're the great Rescuer. You're our Lord. You're our Savior. Jesus, we exalt you today. We give you praise on this Christmas Sunday. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for, for your anointing in our lives. We worship you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I'd like you all to have a blessed Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, if, if you prayed to receive Jesus today, would you come up and get a book from me? Or if you're online, please email me, greg at shilohcommunity.church. But amen. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great day. God bless.